those songs today are very appropriate for the conclusion of this series that we've been doing. We've been doing a series over the last four weeks, coming into our fifth week today, dealing with the idea of our destiny. Where are we going to end up with our lives? So we started this whole series just talking about there is a reality, there is a place that we all desire to end up to, but if we're going to get there, we have to begin to put some certain things into our life. And we began to say this, your destiny is defined by all sorts of things. It's defined by our character. Our character is defined by our habits, and our habits are fed by our thought life. Today, though, I want to look a little bit farther, and in fact, I want to deal with kind of where Todd has taken us through this whole song service today, and I want to talk about our final destiny, or a destiny that is beyond tomorrow. Several years ago, I was back, my I came back a couple years ago to visit my dad who had a stroke. Um, and as I was staying with my, my parents, I had a plane trip to come back down to Tampa. I was preaching in some churches. And so I booked my flight. I got my bags packed. I got them in the car. And, and it's very typical for me. If you know me at all, you know that within minutes, my mind is anywhere but where it is supposed to be. And so within seconds, I got in the car. I got out on the road and I headed out. And about 20 minutes later, I looked up as I was coming into a small town. The little small town is called Oskaloosa. And I looked up and I looked and as I just said, what am I doing here? You see, the airport's an hour away from where I was wanting to go, but I was headed 20 minutes the opposite direction. You see, I was exactly where I was going, but where I was going was not going to get me where I needed to be. And as I sat there and I had this panic, this feeling of dread and anger and frustration that was all over me, you know, there's nothing you can do but simply realize, you know what, I'm in the wrong spot. Get the car, turn around and head back. In all of our lives, we have moments when we begin to look at our destiny or where we're at and we have to ask ourselves, am I where I want to be? Is this what I was intending for my life? Is this what I wanted? You see, for all of us, it is healthy to have those moments of evaluation. Those moments when we stop and we look at that road sign to say, "Uh, am I where I was going? Is this the direction that I had intended for my life? You know, we all do it at times. You ever sat down and done the retirement checklist? Am I going to have enough money to? Now, I want to say, if there's anything that about makes my blood rise and my blood pressure kind of spike is when Holly says, you know, maybe we should think about this. And it's like, oh, because I know there is no way that we have got enough to, to live comfortably when it's time to retire. But there's only one way to start getting there, isn't it? You have to begin to look at it and to begin to evaluate evaluate it and to begin to ask the questions. It's probably true with our own finances where most are at right now. We need to just stop and say, is this where I want to be? Is this what I was thought I was going to be at in my career, in my... And finances and, and our retirement, those things are important. But the reality is, is what is more important is our relationships. See, ever stopped and asked the question, is my relationships, are my relationships where I want them to be? 
my spouse, with my kids, with my neighbors, my work colleagues? Are, is the relationship that I have with them, is this what I wanted it to be? You see, there comes a moment and there comes a time when we need to just stop and look at our lives, look at the destiny of where we're at, because I guarantee you one thing, you are at exactly the place where you were going. But we need to ask the question, is this really where I wanted to end up? And so we've got to take those times where we, we reevaluate it. Kind of do the little bit, I'm angry at myself, how did I end up here? But it doesn't do any good to simply get angry and frustrated at yourself. You have to do something. All the evaluation in the world doesn't do anything unless you begin to change something. And we know that. So for those of you who are about to retire or have retired, the only way you kind of get to that point is by saying, there came a time when I thought I got to live on what I actually make. I can't spend more than what's coming in. It just doesn't work anymore. You can kind of get away with that when you're young and you got the credit cards and pretty soon it just catches up with you and you, you've, you've had that point where you evaluated it. I began to put more into the savings account because I know I've got a little bit extra there. It comes true with your relationships. You begin to stop and say, look, do I want to be loved and respected? So what does that mean? Do I learn to love and respect those around me and how do I begin to hear and to listen so that when I get to that place where I want to be, I'm actually going in the right direction. But there is a destiny, and I want to talk about this for a few minutes today, that is even more important than the finances you have in your bank account. There's a destiny that's even more important than the relationships, and I want to say those are very important, probably the most important things that we have in this life are the relationships around us. But there is a destiny that is of even more value than those relationships we have. Jesus begins to weigh in on this issue. And Jesus begins to ask a question of us. And he, I could imagine if he was sitting here today, he would look directly into our eyes and he'd just say, guys, I've got a question for you. And here it is. In Mark chapter 8, here's how he put it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And then he asked this little question. Is there anything worth more than your soul? Jesus doesn't beat around the bush and say, guys, yeah, it's all important. And, you know, just hang in there and one day you'll get it all figured out. Instead, Jesus looks at us and he says, there is a destiny that you need to plan for that is more important than your finances, that is even more important than your relationships that you have with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers, and that is the destiny of your soul. It's important to have our finances secure. It's important to have good relationships. But sometimes we're so caught up in trying to take care of the temporary that we trade away the future of the permanent. In fact, to help us to truly grasp this, Jesus' half-brother, James, 
he, he kind of puts it in, and, and he, he almost grabs us and it's like he almost shakes us. And he says, I want to get your attention. And so here's how I'm going to explain it. So in, in his book, in his letter that he wrote, here's what he says in James chapter four, verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? That's a pretty fair question. I mean, who would have guessed 2020 would have ended out the way it has? This has been the craziest, the most, I don't know how to put it, but it has been the year that I wish we could forget. So he says, how do you know what your life is going to look like tomorrow? And and here's where he kind of just shakes us real hard. And he says this, your life, my life, it's like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it is gone. James just tells it to us straight. I mean, he's not beating around the bush. He says, guys, your life is so short. It's basically like the steam coming out of the kettle when you boil your coffee in the morning. It's like the morning fog that as soon as the sun comes up, it's gone. It's like the smoke that comes out of the chimney. It rises to disappear. This confronting truth should cause us to stop for a moment and ask the question, what do I do with the destiny of my soul? James says, is there anything that is of more value than your soul? James, or Jesus tells us that, and James comes along and says, hey, you need to get this taken care of because your life is so short. How do we secure our soul's destiny? I mean, it's one of those things to say, yeah, okay. How do we secure our soul's destiny? You see, when we do an evaluation of our lives and we find out that our retirement is not on track, what do we do? We knuckle down and we begin to put money in the bank account. We knuckle down and we begin to stop and put a budget together. We begin to change our habits. Sometimes we stop buying coffee every day and we, okay, every other day maybe, whatever it takes. But we begin to change our habits in order to secure what we know we need. When our relationships aren't working right, you can do all sorts of things. If the relationship with your spouse isn't going the direction you want, you can go in and get counseling. You can begin to stop and change your attitudes. You can begin to pick the laundry up off the floor and get it into the hamper. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do to improve your relationships. But what do we do about the destiny of our soul? I mean, it's not like we can simply go to counseling for our soul. Paul begins to let us in on a secret. Now, last week, we began to look at a passage, and we're going to begin to start here a little bit too today. But Paul began to let us in on a secret. Paul, the man who who was super Christian number one, who wrote a large portion of our Bible, the guy that we refer to as the Apostle Paul, and some people refer to him as Saint Paul, I mean, You can't get any more super Christian than that. He started almost all of the early churches 
not all of them, but he started the vast majority of the early churches way back when the church started. I mean, he was super Christian, number one. And the apostle Paul stops and he tells us this. He says, and we looked at this last week and we're gonna move on from it, but I wanna re-bring it up because the apostle Paul began to deal with this idea of something that is deep within him. And he says this, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now we began to look at this last week from the idea of our habits where the apostle Paul was saying that his very habits he struggled with. But I think the Apostle Paul is actually going even a little bit deeper because he was actually talking about his very nature. That there was something deep inside of him that was broken. That couldn't be fixed by a quick counseling lesson. Paul says what we all feel. Paul lets our struggle out there and he doesn't try to hide it and this is the guy who is I mean if you wanted to be like the number one Christian this is the guy you want to aim your life at and he says I find deep within my soul I'm broken and I don't do what I should do and in fact he takes this a step farther and in, we're gonna this is where we're gonna move on from where we were at last week and in verse 24 he puts it down to what we sometimes think within ourselves. And he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You ever heard super Christians talk like that? Well, that's the reality of the nature that we find within all of us. It is broken. It is not what we would like it to be. And Paul just tells us, he says, I'm not trying to pretend to you guys like there's, I've got everything together. In fact, he tells it to us like what we really are. The things that we want to do, we don't do. And the things we know we should do, we, you know the way it goes. And he just says, I feel so bad. I feel broken. I feel miserable. And he says, who is going to save us? Who's going to save this destiny of our soul? And in fact, if we're not quite there yet, an Old Testament prophet, and I love, I love how Isaiah puts it, but an Old Testament prophet even lays it out even more brutal. I don't know if you can get more brutal than what Paul has already laid it out. But Isaiah says this, in Isaiah chapter 64, he writes and he says this, we are all infected and impure with sin. So he starts it and he lays it out and says, this stuff, it's like this coronavirus that's going around, except we all have it. It's not just someone has it and someone doesn't, but we all have it and we're all infected by this thing of sin, it destroying our soul. And he goes on because he pushes it a little bit further and he says, for when we display our righteous deeds, or if you're going to the Old Test or the, the Old King James, he says, for all of our righteousness, all the goodness, they are nothing but filthy rags. And then he finishes up with this idea, like the autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. <laughs> Isaiah, you are depressing. 
But that's the reality of where we find ourselves. The nature of our soul is broken. And it's so broken that even when we're doing good, Isaiah says, are you really? I mean, how many times do we do good because our spouse has uh, guilted us into doing it? How many times have we done good because someone is watching us and I'm trying to look good for the moment? How many times have we done good because, well, it gives me that little high. Have you ever done a good deed and you get that little like high feeling for a moment because I know I just did good? You see, what Isaiah is telling us is that our goodness, even the good things that we do, are a bit like our exercise clothes on a hot summer's day. They stink. You quickly want them out of the way. You don't stop and, you know. And he reminds us and he says, guys, there is none of us who is by nature good just because we're good. I tell you, how do we just secure the destiny of our souls? When if it's by very nature bent and corrupt and broken. Now, at this point, I know we've been on a down. And it is quite easy for us to look at this and say, yeah, okay, it's, it, you're right. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We're all messed up. Let's just have a big old messed up party, okay? And Paul could have, at, I mean, the guy who's super Christian who says, look, I don't have it figured out quite the way I want to. Paul could have shrugged his shoulders and says, you know, I've tried to do all the good stuff. I've worked really hard and I still find myself messed up. So I'm just going to give up. Uh, he doesn't do that. The, this guy by, that we call the Apostle Paul, he goes and he actually stops and he says, it's not totally worthless. There is hope. We live in hope and we have hope. We have a future for the destiny of our souls. In fact, he stops and he says it this. In Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. So we're going to go back and read verse 24 where we started from. And he says this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he gets to the positive place. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul tells us that the answer that we need is found in Jesus Christ. Something about Jesus Christ convinced Paul, the guy who for a time in his life was determined to wipe out everything to do with Jesus, to become simply the guy who trusted his eternal destiny or his soul's eternal future to him. Something happened that turned him around. Something that I think is important for us to hang on to, that it gives us a destiny and a future for our soul. Here's how Paul explains it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he writes this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, 
Now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Basically what Paul is saying is this. You see, there was this guy by the name of Jesus Christ. He was dead. And then he came back to life. Now, we all know this. Once someone dies, that's it. And so as Paul is talking, he says, but it's not it because I saw the other side. I saw Jesus Christ. In fact, it so stirred me that I chose to give my life or give my life to him. Okay, how do we trust the destiny of our soul to Jesus Christ? I mean, let, let's be honest. We're in church today, and so we, we can talk about all the things that we're supposed to talk about in church. You know, like do less bad stuff. I mean, that makes you a good person, right? Or, or let's just go the opposite way. Let's put it in the positive. Let's do more good stuff. I mean, we're in church, right? So that's what Christians are supposed to do. They, they do less bad and more good. Or, or maybe, maybe, hey, come to church more often. And I'll say amen to that. I think you should. But is that what secures the destiny of our soul? I mean, we could go really wild and say, hey, maybe it's those little offering envelopes we put in the back. Maybe that secures the destiny of our soul. Maybe the more I put in that little envelope and I slide back there, my soul's destiny is secure. No. What do we do then? Do we just stop and say, well, I'm gonna just leave it to chance, cross my fingers, and hope it all works out? Well, that doesn't work either. You see, if a, life, a destiny is going to work out the way it's supposed to, it requires intentionality. It requires a choice. It requires a plan. The same that you know as you work out your retirement plan, as you work out the relationships in your life, as you intentionally work through those things, here's the reality. Your soul's destiny requires an intentional choice. Paul tells us clearly in, verse, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And then he continues on in Romans chapter 10, or in verses 10 to 13, he continues this thought and he says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God as it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved as the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul is laying it out to us very clearly. He says this, the way we take care of our soul's destiny is simply coming to the one who died on a cross 
and rose again with open hearts saying, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I can't do it. I'm messed up. My soul by itself is going all the wrong direction. And I simply come in a sense with a hand open saying, give me you. I'll take you. The simplicity of what he has done for us. If we simply come secures the destiny of our soul. You can come to church all you want. And I, I want to say all the good things you're doing, keep doing them. All right. It's good to do good. But it's not going to secure the destiny of your soul. Every Sunday you come, it makes me feel really good. But it doesn't secure the destiny of your soul. Every Sunday you come is good because I'm hoping you get something good from it. But it does not secure the des destiny of your soul. Every dollar you put in the offering plate, it, that's good. It helps keep the lights on and keeps things running. But it does not secure the destiny of your soul. Every cuss word you stop saying is good and it's good for everyone around you. But it does not secure the destiny of your soul. Every homeless person you feed is good, but it does not secure the destiny of your soul. That comes simply through faith. Not by the good works that we have done, but by his grace. He says back in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we're not going to go there necessarily, but he says this, I don't want you to be able to say you earned it because you haven't. You can't. Your soul is so broken that by itself, it can't do it. So I did it. That's what he tells us. So will you come with an open heart and an open hand saying, God, I accept what you have done. Look, that day when I found myself in the wrong direction, heading towards, I thought what was the airport, I, I want to say, I felt so frustrated. I felt so stupid. I felt so silly. I felt so inadequate. But all of those feelings didn't mean anything. Feeling all those feelings, feeling as sorry as I wanted to about going in the wrong direction was not getting me to the airport. Only one thing got me to the airport that day. And that was a turnaround. That was a U-turn. That was saying, I know I'm going this direction and I'm making a choice to now head back the way I need to go. I want to say, I arrived at the airport very late, but I made it. What about your soul? Have you intentionally made a choice to say, God, yes. I can't, yes, here's my open hand, my open heart. As Jesus asks us a very direct question, 
how much is your soul worth? You can gain the whole world. And yet, if you miss that final destiny, you have lost everything. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed real quickly, I'm just gonna be blunt with you. Jesus was blunt with us. Jesus asked us, what does it profit a person if he gains everything, but he loses his soul? Is not our soul's destiny of more important than anything else? And so I just wanna ask you very bluntly, very directly, has there ever been a time, a place, when you've just stopped and said, God, I give you my life. I'm going to trust you. You died on the cross. You rose again. You paid the price. And hey, you rose again to prove you are exactly who you said you are. If you have never done that, I just want to encourage you right where you're sitting, just stop and say, God, I'm coming today with my open heart, open hand. I want to secure the destiny of my soul. I don't want it simply be a, well, I hope one day I'll get there. Hopefully my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. And hopefully I, maybe I went to church enough. Maybe I did enough that just, I can just squeak in on God's goodness. When Paul tells us, we don't do it by our goodness because there is nothing really good that lives within us. We're broken. But he is good. He died. He paid the price. It's finished. It's final. He just simply asks that we come to him with our open hearts. So right where you're sitting, all you can do is say, God, I've messed up. I ask that you be my leader. Guide me, direct me. I accept what you did for me on the cross. I, I, I'm so thankful that you rose again to say, hey, there is a hope for a better tomorrow. And it doesn't have to be those words, but Look, he promised, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise he gives to you to secure the destiny of your soul. Maybe this morning you're already a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've already made that choice. Maybe you've had that intentional decision, but maybe we just need to stop this morning and be reminded, you know what? I need to just stop and take a moment to say, God, thank you for what you did. Thank you that it's not based upon my goodness because even when I'm trying to do good, man, I mess up. Even in all of my good Christianity, sometimes there are days when my Christianity doesn't fall right where it's supposed to and I sometimes miss the mark. Thank you that you are the one who secures the destiny. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this love to us. We wanna say how grateful we are that you care for us. Thank you for the opportunity to begin to meet together. Help us as a church to honor you, to follow you. And in all that we do, Lord, may you be glorified. In your name we pray.